0: Hey, uh, chilling tryouts from down the road. The other church. Look, <laughs> if you had one shot, or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. Play, make it, take it. No, I'll give you a chance. <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go easy on you at first. It, all right. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lot taller than you look. <laughs> <laughs> you front of office now. You're sitting there watching TV, going on all these trips, eating all this r- fat-rich foods.
1: That's why I'm overweight now, and I feel skinny. You
0: know what my problem is? I'm just not ready. But that makes you want to chop how
1: real just a young type of guy. And is Did
0: you make it take it when i make it? Yeah it? <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna show you my hops there, but.
1: Forgot you didn't have any? Oh! Hang on, one of my lungs is about to
0: oh. I'm letting you get in the head. I used to do it with my little brother. And then I. Come back with a vengeance. Hang on. (laughs) The
1: The double arch is down. That's exactly what we needed.
0: That's exactly what we needed. Yep. Unfortunately, your game just ended. (coughs) You good? (laughs) Right after it bounced off my head. (laughs) Deck that. is that Cross ain't coming off wet. If all your suck- Oh my God, <laughs> some of them try to wind, but I'm like so. oh.
1: let oh. like oh. oh. like so. oh. cool. five four.
0: Hurry up. I'm gonna give you. it to you. Well, I might. <laughs>
1: But I like to let the victim choose how they lose, whether I shoot or make a layup. Shoot. Left hand, right hand.
0: Shoot, left hand. Oh, praise the Lord.
1: Watch oh. your head. Okay. Got it.
0: well okay so before we played that game mark that day had driven to baton rouge and back and then played what an hour and a half two hours of basketball before he came there he literally walked up the stairs like like this and he was so sore and i thought fresh meat you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do alright. Nope. So so that is the truth of what happened. Um I know that uh what was that? You we were waiting for the truth. Uh, yeah, everybody was waiting for the truth. That's that, that is than I, That's than I, I did do better I did better than I thought. Um and uh but at about the third point I was done. I was gone. And uh and uh, we've got, there's some bloopers we can play after the service, but uh, Mark started actually playing defense when I was on point four, and it started getting real, like, he was in my personal space, you know, <laughs> so it's it not cool. All right, so today, what I want to talk about, we are in this, uh, in this series called Game Time. We're going along with the Pelicans. We're, we're helping them. Make the push to get into the playoffs, um, and today I want to talk about fast breaks. Does anybody know what fast breaks what a fast break is? Mark can't answer. anybody You might go ahead steal the ball from the team throw down the court Right, right, so basically you're getting the ball down on your side of the court before the opposing team can get down there uh, or you know, maybe it's three of your guys get down, but only two of their guys get down there, and so that's what a, that's what a fast break is in uh, in basketball, and it makes scoring real easy. Let me show you. Let me show you the Pelicans here. Go ahead and play that video. Omer Asik looking for transition. Evans and Cody Davis on the receiving end. That'll perk him up here. Ad's got 19. That's pretty. That's pretty.
1: He needs a couple of more of those, and then put out in
0: their mind on the second of the back to back. Um. So, so that's a fast break. You see there, it was three of our guys, just two of their guys. Little alley-oop to AD, he goes down with it. That happens two or three times a game. If you go to the game tonight, they're playing the Timberwolves. You should see that about ten times tonight, right? I mean, th- it should be no contest. We should be able to wrap this game up. So um, now. You might be thinking, that's cool. What does that have to do with Jesus, right? What does that have to do with my, my spiritual life? Um, and, the, and the fact is, we've been talking about uh, uh, what, what it is to play the game of life, even though life is not a game, and we all know that. But we looked at Ephesians 6, uh, and it talked about how to defend against the evil one, against the devil when he attacks us. And then it taught, it taught us how we can execute against the evil one. And so, the reason we want to talk about the fast break today is that there seems to be two types of fast breaks in Scripture. And I'm, I'm kind of making it pretty, pretty simple uh, for us today. I had it broken down, but my message was about 12 pages long. Mark's got to get to the game, right? and that's, He's showing me up twice today with the, with the, the suit and, uh, and, the, and the game. Um, but here's the thing. There are two types of fast breaks. When the devil gets a hold of your life where it seems like it and it feels like everything's just flying out of control and you've got no control and things are just, I mean, it's just a beat down after a beat down after a beat down. And then there's the fast break of when um, God has the ball and he's running with you and all you can do is hang on. Now, uh, as we've done in the past two, uh, two weeks, uh, Mark is going to teach us a few basic tips on basketball. And we're going to look at scripture and see how that actually relates very closely to our spiritual lives. So go ahead and play that first video with Mark teaching us about a fast break. All right, let's talk about fast breaks. How do you, how do you guard against the fast break?
1: Well, there's two really major ways to start a fast break. Okay. First one is just a turnover. So if I'm going right here and you he take the ball and that's one on nothing. The only thing I can do at that point is even though I made a mistake, I can't dwell on it. I gotta run back. Right. You know, sometimes you can get there, contest a shot, make them make a mistake just by pressure. Right. The other way to do it is off of this shot. Okay. So the way we did it in college was I take a shot and because I'm the furthest guy back, right? We'd send two guys, two or three guys back every time. Right. was so never the highest guys back. So right. if, even if I'm the point guard Usually, you want to send your, one, your guards back, right. but if I'm the point guard and I'm here and I go all the way in to shoot, there's no way I can be the first guy back. Right. So, whoever high needs to go back and help me out, even though normally I would be back.
0: That way, the other team gets the ball, chunks it down the court, you've got two guys. We've got two guys there, there just,
1: just to hold them up.
0: Okay. All right, so notice what he said right there at the beginning. We make mistakes. In a basketball game, everybody makes a mistake, you know, gets a turnover, misses a shot. That's not really a mistake in basketball. Everybody misses a shot. But, you know, there are times when things happen, and, and we look at our lives, and we make mistakes all the time. I, uh, I am a pastor who sins, okay? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm a human being, all right? If, if you go to somewhere and the pastor is, like, sinless, run away, okay? That's, that's a scary person. Um, but I, I make mistakes just like you do, and sometimes it feels like the devil has the ball in your life, and he is just going, and he's gone, right? Sometimes it feels like we make a mistake, and it just feels like we're paying for it over and over and over and over and over again. And it feels like he's in control. Sometimes... It's going to feel like that because other people are against you, right? Maybe you didn't do anything wrong. Maybe everything was fine, but somebody is just trash-talking you all the time. Each Sunday, they are just tearing your basketball skills down, right? They're on Facebook writing stuff that, while not technically a lie, is still not right. It's real vague, right? Maybe maybe somebody's calling your work, your place of business, and talking to a girl named Alex who sells tickets. And I ask, hey, do you know Mark Chazanov? And she says, yeah. I say, ask him about how his pastor whooped him in basketball. And then I felt really bad because that is a lie, and I told the truth. And I said, I said no, it didn't happen, but just talk to him. She said, she said hi, by the way. Uh, y'all meet and see each other at, in the cafeteria. She sells the tickets, like, you know, so... Here's the thing. The video I showed today is the actual truth, except for all of our misses, right? I didn't have time to show that because it's 15 minutes long, and I missed a lot of shots, right? A lot of shots. Um, but the last two weeks, I took the videos, and because I used to be an editor, I can easily make myself look good. And Mark looked bad. All he had to do was miss seven shots, right? And I had to actually take two of my own shots and put them in twice. Nobody noticed, right? It's pretty cool. You can go back on Facebook and see that, right? I missed a bunch of shots. I did. I missed. The ceiling is real low in that gym over there, and I hit the ceiling several times. You see it on the bloopers. It goes up and it goes, pink. and it comes straight back down. I airballed it. I mean... Even, even some of those shots were just luck shots. If you go back and look at the video, Mark's looking at the, at the rim like, that should not have gone in. There's no way that, that goes in, right? And so over the course of the last two weeks, I basically destroyed Mark's reputation. Now, here's the only reason I did it every one of us knew it was not true. And that was the only reason I did it. That's the only reason I put it in our on our members Facebook page, right? If you if you are, uh, don't know about our members Facebook page and you're a member, a member of our church is, is somebody who is a, a regular attender, not like once a month, but you know, like a lot, and uh, ha- has been baptized, obviously believes in Christ and lives for Christ. That's a member of our church. That's what we see in, in scripture. We don't Have a role and go go through all that. We're small enough to where we can just say, you know what? You're a member of our church, right? We know each other. We're family. And so that's the reason we have a member's Facebook page, one of the reasons. And so I put the videos there and not on our public Facebook page, because if I put it on our public Facebook page, you know it would go viral, right? You know it would just catch on. And then lies would get out. But sometimes that happens in our lives. Somebody's against us, and the devil is using them. It's always unknowingly, right? Nobody intentionally is just out to be mean most of the time. But the devil is somehow manipulating and moving in that person or that crowd, and it feels like he is on a fast break in our lives. Now, how do we defend that? We defend that, and this is just kind of a recap. We're going to talk about God's fast break here in just a second. We defend it the same way we do any type of defense. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14, uh, God is saying, be strong, and this is how you be strong. You put on the armor of God. And in verse 14, it says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. So truth, the breastplate of righteousness in place. Righteousness, Not, This isn't like holy righteousness, like I'm better than you righteousness. This is a right standing with God, following the Holy Spirit. Okay? This has nothing to do with cockiness or anything like that. A lot of times that, that word just conjugates that kind of attitude and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And this is a defensive weapon because you're not just defending yourself, you're defending yourself looking towards what you want to do and what you know God wants you to do, and that is to just share Jesus with others. Now, in our church, we know that we're not like what you see in the news and all that. You know, We're not on the street corner. We're not going door to door in New Orleans. You get shot, right? If you do that, that's crazy. We just want to love people. And we see that God wants us to love others just by telling them about who he is. And so in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith. Now, this word of faith is not our cultural word of faith. Um, Our cultural word of faith is is religion. This is my faith, right? I'm Catholic. I'm Protestant. I'm, I'm whatever. This word in Scripture is our word for trust, basically. Take up the shield of trust which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the devil, of the evil one, the evil, right? Uh, and so our shield of trust is huge because not only does it defend us from the arrows, it actually puts the arrows out, the flaming arrows out. And so trust in our Heavenly Father Is so important. And these are the armor, these are the things that protect us, the armor of God, right? So, how do we do this? Remember, Paul is not talking to Jason, and he's not talking to one single person here. Paul wrote this this letter, uh, Ephesians, he wrote it to a church in Ephesus. It's in the Mediterranean world. And he's writing to a group of people who believe in Jesus. Here's how we do this, because you cannot do it alone. Anybody ever seen one man stand up to an entire army? Not, I mean, maybe in the movies, right, but not, not in real life. It takes a group of people. And so in, in our context here, we are the army. We are each other's teammate, Right. I'm the one that throws up the ball so Mark can bring it down. I'm, I'm the one who, who, who leads, and, and you guys are the ones who defend, and you guys are the one who attack. And whenever anything is going on in our church, we stand together. Because ultimately, we have these defensive, this defensive armor, not so that we can then attack, Paul says he just wants us to stand. God just wants us to stand. So it takes the entire church. We help each other. We defend each other. We serve one another. Now, last week I talked about our offensive weapons. And our offensive weapons are three things. And It's not up here, but it says... In verse 17, take the helmet of salvation, that is that is a defensive weapon. It is you trusting Jesus, knowing that you are saved. No matter what has happened to you, you have this relationship with Jesus. And then it talks about the offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. That's this. This cuts to our heart. It cuts our, cuts our conscience, right? It gives us encouragement, right? And so it it guides us, it leads us, not because it's words written on a on a piece of paper, but because God spoke it, and he spoke it through men, right? And it's very important that we understand that. This is not something, you know, just because it's a book, right? It's because God spoke it. And so, the sword of the Spirit, and then Paul just kind of gets rid of the whole armor motif and, and all of that, and he just starts talking, and he says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. So prayer... And then in verse 19, he says, pray also for me. And we talked about how last week we talked about how this is not just prayer, but this is is intercessory prayer. This is prayer for those who really need prayer, who maybe are so distraught can't pray for themselves. These are all our offensive weapons. And so I want to take some time now to pray for anyone who needs prayer. I know that half of our congregation is dealing with some kind of a, an illness. And I and I don't mean like a cold, I mean like like a long-term illness. Uh we're praying for for Nick. Uh he stepped out with the baby. Uh they they just took out 4 inches of muscle from his leg. Yeah, sorry. I know that makes everybody cringe. Um because they're looking at and trying to find out what's going on with him. He's just, you know, he's tired all the time and has They found rhabdomileo, I forget whether we call it rhabdo or whatever it is. It just makes him tired. Um, And I know others of us have uh, some serious medical issues, but they don't have to be medical issues. So I want to just take some time and take some prayer requests uh, and and pray for for Nick and Chelsea and and anybody else. Does anybody have any? Uh, Pray for family... We know uh, the Giordano's. They just uh, they're burying their mother, wife this week. Okay. She passed away on Thursday. Okay.
1: This woman's, uh, this
0: woman at our job named Ashley, pray for her, I guess her woman, so that she can get pregnant. Okay. Hey, Say it yeah. loud, that? So Father, we know you call us to prayer, and we know that this is an offensive weapon. It, it beats back the enemy. And it's not because we pray, but it's because you are the God of the universe, and you hear us, and you respond. And we know that you are God, and you respond with yes, with no, with wait. And so we come to you, and we seek your, your comfort for these three families who have lost their loved one. We pray for comfort and peace, and Father, that you will just wrap your arms around them and, and show them your love. Um, Lord, we pray for this young woman who is looking to be pregnant. We pray... Just as you did with Sarah uh, and Abraham and and others in Scripture, Father, that you will provide a child. Um, Lord, we pray for uh, Sebastian's grandparents. We ask that you will heal them. We ask that you give the doctors wisdom. We pray for guidance and direction that uh, they would seek you, Father, in this time of difficulty. We pray for Eric and Anita as they um, provide comfort to them as well. Father, we pray for Nick as they continue to search for um, the correct diagnosis. We pray for their strength. We pray for them to continue to trust in you. Father, we are so thankful that they ruled out ALS. We are thankful that they ruled out cancer. Lord, we know that as we prayed through those things that you were in the midst of that. And we ask, Father, that you will um, continue to give guidance in that situation as well. Father, we pray for healing, a full healing. Your word. Shows you over and over again healing people. You are the same then as you are today, as you will be forever. And you are good. And we ask for that healing on Nick. We pray for Chelsea that you give her strength. Give her encouragement. uh, Continue to make them strong in you. We ask these things. And anything that I may have missed, Father. We ask that you provide them in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so let's talk about what happens when God takes the ball and runs a fast break in your life. Go ahead and play that uh, that next video, will you? Now, what do you do to um, when you're on the fast break? What's the strategy there?
1: Everything's about reading your language. Okay. So if it's one-on-one, if I think, if it's me a big small forward that I can't get around, right. I might just stop and I pull it back. Okay. If it's me one-on-one with Jason, I know I have my advantage, no. I'm gonna just no. go all yeah. the way to the right. <laughs> okay. you know, and then the other thing is numbers. Okay. You try and take your advantage. So if it's two-on-one, right. I'm gonna do everything I can. I'm gonna make my read okay, based so on the defender. We're on the same team. We're on the same team. So we have two-on-one, the defender comes to me. I'm gonna pass it over and take the advantage everything is still a read okay you know defenders will be back there and they'll like jump one way or the other right if they're indecisive you're gonna make the decision for them okay so if they're jumping one way or the other right i I might just look that way
0: yeah and still go in. okay okay if you've got you and ad going down and he goes he goes up so I got, I'm throwing it near the rim. You're throwing it up so he can go down with it.
1: I want to reward a big guy any time he runs. Why is that? To get them motivated to keep running.
0: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, you see him do that a lot in every game. He
1: runs hard every single time. Two or three times. You know, it's, it's, it's all about an advantage. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Right. So his advantage, he's quicker than 95% of people guarding him. Right. So our goal is to get him advantage. If you wait... Later in the shot clock, they're all set, he catches the ball down low, there's two people going at him every time. Right. You know, if we're coming down and he gets down there early, right? And we just throw it to him, right? There's not enough people to help. Right. It gives him the space he needs to be one on one. Whatever
0: he needs to whatever he wants to do. Correct. And he's yeah, he's agile. So Correct. For somebody that big. All right, so you see at the end, we're talking about AD. I am not in any way equating AD with God. I do not want to know what his personal life is like, but God is our big man, okay? And so as we run with God, listen, sometimes you think, oh, what is a fast break in your life? A fast break with God is, is your life is just blessed, right? It can be just that. Um, but when you really think about it, those are blessings, and a fast break sometimes is not something that just continues forever. For some people it does, right? Some people you think, oh, well, God is just using them in such great ways. It's amazing to see. But a fast break is just that most of the time. It's fast. Um, maybe it's a, a neighbor who's opening up to you for the first time or, or a wayward family member or friend who's kind of come back around, um, Maybe it's a healed relationship, right? Um, and so these are spiritual fast breaks in our life where God is taking the ball and he's running down the court and you're doing your best just to keep up, right? You're doing, your, God, what do I say? What do I, what do, I do? I don't, I don't know what, what's going on right now. And today is Palm Sunday. It is uh, a biblical fast break in Jesus' life. Right, this is where what is called the triumphal entry occurs, and it's a very significant moment in Jesus's life because this was when he actually went public with his ministry. Um, Jesus's public ministry was only four to five days long. That was it. He was he kept it every, he kept everything on the down low for like three years, and so what's happening? And we're going to look at this real quick. Is John chapter five? I mean, John chapter twelve. And Jesus is traveling from a town called Bethphage to Be- and Bethany. It's kind of two uh, towns put together. Uh, and he's going to Jerusalem. And in order to get to Jerusalem, you come up over a hill called the Mount of Olives. And it overlooked Jerusalem and led straight into Jerusalem. So in uh, John chapter 12, verse 12, it says, The next day the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And so there's this crowd and there's following him, but there, there are already people there as well. There's fifty to 300,000 extra people in Jerusalem for this week-long feast of unleavened bread. And then that leads straight into Passover. And so this is, this is the, the feast and the festival where God uh, passes over the houses of Israel and uh, spared the firstborn uh, way back in Egypt. Uh, for those who put the blood of the lamb on the door seals, okay? So verse 13 says, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the King of Israel! So what they would do is they place these palm branches in front of the donkey that Jesus uh, is on, is going to get on, And it's basically the same thing as as in our culture, which this never happens anymore, as as a gentleman laying down his coat over a puddle or something, right? It's them laying down their coats or their uh, palm branches, but this was an act of of royal homage, okay? And they were were placed down uh, in celebrations of victory as well. So this is a very important time in verse 14. In fifteen, he said Jesus, found a young donkey and sat upon it, as it is written, uh, "Do not be afraid, O daughter of Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt." Now this is important because he is fulfilling prophecy from the Old Testament, and the, there are three very important reasons that the donkey uh, is not a horse. Right, kings always rode in on on horses when they conquered a, a uh, country or a village. But when they came back to their own town, they would get off of their horse and they would get on a donkey and ride in. So Jesus is very poignantly saying, I am your king. In Jewish literature, there's the image of a king on a donkey coming into Jerusalem, and it signified the coming of the Messianic king, our saviour. And in doing this, Jesus is declaring that he was the Messiah and that he was bringing restoration to the people through himself. Though it wasn't what people really thought, Jesus had a a different plan. And then the third reason that this is important, that it's a donkey and it's not a horse, is that it revealed the nature of his kingship. He is saying, I have always been your king. I didn't conquer you. I've always been your king. So in verse 16, he says... It says, at first, his disciples did not understand this. Now, this is typical for the disciples. They didn't understand a lot. They were thinking he was going to overthrow the Roman government. They were thinking, man, this is, this is going to be fantastic. We're going to get our king. It's going to be wonderful. And so it was only after Jesus is resurrected that they get it. Now, this is the hard part about a, a fast break. When your, father, when your heavenly father is on a fast break in your life, the temptation is, try to, is to try to control it, like the disciples do. Or the Pharisees, in verse uh, 16 it goes on, it says, Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him, that's the, the disciples, and that they had done these things to him. Now the crowd that was with him, verse 17, when he called Lazarus from the tomb, and raised him from the dead, continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had given this miracle, miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees, these are the bad guys, right? These are the religious people, the pastors of the day, but they were just all about control and power. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. So you see three different types of people. And it's, it's important to note because Mark actually said it. He said, you have to know your advantage. When you're on a fast break, you have to know your advantage. You've got three of your guys and two of their guys. You have to know your advantage. Our advantage as Christ followers is always the same. It never changes. We have the God of the universe on our side. And I don't mean that in a way of we can do whatever we want and he's with us. That's not the case. We do whatever he he wants, and He is with us. We follow Him, and He is with us. He is our coach, and He is available anytime. He never leaves us. He never changes, right? And so when God runs a fast break in your life, if you are hanging on, it's actually a lot of fun. You're just rolling and, and, and having just the greatest time. And, and what happens, though, is the temptation that the devil will place in front of you is for you to try to control it. And take it away from the Holy Spirit. And we need to look at it as a roller coaster. How many of you like roller coasters? Anybody? Yeah, some of you hate it, right? Some of you love it. What are you doing on a roller coaster? You have any control, right? That little kid, that little teenage kid presses the button at the beginning, right? How in the world do they let that happen, right? He's pressing the button and he waits. He's in control you've got nothing. And so today is an excellent example of a fast break, but it's also in scripture we see here, it's an excellent example of what not to do. We don't want to be a a bystander just laying down palms thinking, oh, God's going to take over the world. We don't want to be like the disciples who are looking forward to this earthly kingdom. And we don't want to be the Pharisees who are sinfully wrapped up in power and they know they're losing their control. Here's what we want to do. We want to let go and just follow Jesus. That's what we want to do. So when God takes you on a fast break, look at it as a roller coaster ride. Hang on, listen, pray, just like you would on a roller coaster, right? And enjoy the ride. If the devil's, Got you on a fast break? Go to Ephesians 6 and look at your defensive weapons. Gather with other believers and say, I need help. Will you please put your shield over me? And when God takes you on His fast break, hang on, enjoy the ride. Even in basketball, fast break is it's like that. And it could be like that in your own life. It could last for a long time. Who knows? God's in charge of that but you can be reassured and comforted that the Holy Spirit is in it and that He is using you. And it may be short and quick, but He uses it to draw you closer to your Heavenly Father and closer to the heart of God. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You for the opportunity to worship You, to see what You did on this Sunday, this week before You were crucified, you were buried, and Father, the the epitome of our trust in you comes from the fact that we believe, we know that you rose from the grave. It is not logical, it is not natural, but we believe that you created us and that you have power over death itself. And we thank you for that, Father. We ask that you remind us of our defensive weapons when, this, when the uh, evil one is attacking us. And we pray that we recognize when you take us on that fast break, when you're doing things in our lives that are just amazing and wonderful and we just, just hang on. Father, guide us and direct us as that happens. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.